Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're going to do a word study tonight because we get to words like elect or election or elected in the Bible. And we want to get the context of what the word means. Why do I have to say that? Because a lot of learning how to rightly divide the Bible is being able to define words. It's not just saying the words, it's being able to define them. Get Isaiah chapter 54 as your starting point. Isaiah chapter 54. The word elect, elected, or election shows up 27 times in the Bible. Now, there's the use of the word chosen that we're not going to get into tonight, but that also has some defining references to this word elect, elected, or election. But tonight, primarily, we're going to focus in on defining the word in its context. As a broad, general definition, election means you are selected, you are picked out, you have been chosen out, you have been designated. That is the draw the lens back, broad definition. We did this with the word gospel means good news, right? We do this with the word salvation. You run the references to understand, okay, is this physical salvation? Is this spiritual salvation? The word elect, election, or elected in the Bible has, what I can come up with, has six specific and distinctive definitions. In other words, it is referred to six different types or groups or Individuals, And we'll look at the first one right now in Isaiah chapter 53. The first one we're going to look at is when the Bible uses the word elect in reference to a nation. And in Isaiah chapter 45, verse number one, uh, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. There's our clue. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leavened gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked place straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of, here's our next clue, Israel. First clue, subdue nations in verse 1. Second clue, Israel, God of Israel, verse 3. And here it is. The, the, we have it defined in verse 4. For Jacob, my, ser- my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect. I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee though thou hast not known me. Israel is considered as a nation elected of God. That's our first definition. 
You heard it, right? God's chosen people. They were chosen to receive spiritual blessings, that nation. Special service in a unique way to God. They're going to receive promises through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That nation is considered elect in the context of Isaiah 45. It would be silly for us to apply us as Christians in this context. This is a context to a nation. Go to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. Look at verse number nine. Isaiah 65, verse number nine. And I will bring forth a seed. That would be a physical birth line of people. Out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains, and mine, and mine elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. It's a dwelling place for the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the context of it. This is an, uh, an elect nation. The Jewish nation is in the context. Go all the way down to verse 21. In Isaiah 65, and they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, that's his chosen people, that's the nation of Israel, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. This has absolutely nothing to do with an individual spiritual inheritance for a New Testament Christian. These references to being elect in Isaiah 45 and Isaiah 65 have everything to do with a national election, a group of people who were called out and chosen by God. So that's the first context. And go to Romans 9. This will be a brief overview. You're going to be getting into that chapter verse by verse soon. Because there's a ch- there's a shift that's going to occur once we get to Romans chapter 9. I'm going to read some verses, and you will see the shift. You will see the context. Verse number 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. There's a clue. Semicolon connects it to verse four. Who are what? Israelites. There's another clue to whom pertaining the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God, and the promises. Anybody, does, that, does that sound familiar? What we're just talking about in Isaiah 45 and 65. Who are the fathers of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham. See that word seed again? Abraham, physical line, are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. (coughs) That is, they which are the children of the, there it is again, flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. We'll get into all this verse by verse when we get to the chapter. But I'm going with a different point tonight. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall I have a son. Verse 10, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, 
for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that called. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. You see that word election uh, just kind of jump out at you? You see all those work clue words concerning a, a nation? Go to chapter 11. And we'll wrap up this thought as far as an elect nation uh, with some verses in Romans 11. Look at verse 5. Even so then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Verse number five, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. There's a clue, Israel. But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were what? Blinded. Now look at verse number 28, because this is where we wanted to get to. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. How can you be an enemy of the gospel and at the same time be elect if this is for a New Testament Christian? It would be impossible if you make that for a New Testament Christian. Because you're not an enemy of the gospel. And, and, and neither am I. You have to separate these in their proper context. How can you have both at the same time? We have to be able to have someone or someones that are enemies of the gospel and at the same time elect. That has to occur at the same time. Now, let me ask you this question, which you know the answer. To. Did the nation of Israel reject their Messiah? They did. That nation became an enemy of the gospel. But Isaiah 45 and Isaiah 65 tell us what? That nation is elect. So when we start to do a deep dive in the Romans 9, uh, 10, and 11, we are going to be looking at some Israel national things. And that is important because if you made Romans 9 and 11 here Christians, the obvious problem with the text is, if you're saved, you're not an enemy of the gospel. You don't have any condemnation. You are not separate. But if you understand the context, oh, okay, Israel is elect. Israel did reject their Savior. Oh, okay, at the same time that can exist if we rightly divide it for an elect nation. If an individual Jewish man or woman rejects the Savior now, 
they would end up in hell just like a, if a Roman Catholic rejected it or a kid grew up in the Baptist church rejected it or, okay. But a nation has been elected and God made some promises to that nation. So our first reference that we are closing out now is the Bible talking about a nation that's elect. Now go to Matthew 24. This will be a good time to go there. If there's one chapter in the New Testament, if there's one chapter in the four Gospels that messes up more Christians doctrinally, it would be this chapter, Matthew 24. It is vitally, vitally important to understand that Matthew 24 is not for the New Testament church to go through all this. It's for us to learn and read and understand and divide it. And I'm going to show you why. First off, look at verse number 14. Matthew 24, verse number 14. Uh, Well, verse number 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. A verse that many go to to teach that you can lose your salvation. Because if you don't endure to the end, you won't get saved. I implore you, if you haven't listened to all the verse-by-verse messages on Matthew 24, do that. We can't go way deep into this. But look at verse 14. This enduring to the end, by the way, is a physical salvation, not a spiritual salvation. How do I know? How do you know? Verse 14. And this gospel of the grace of God shall be preached. Did I read that verse right? No. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. You haven't listened to the messages on the on the gospel, the five gospels, listen to those messages. Because there is a difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of the grace of God. We preach the gospel of the grace of God. But this kingdom gospel will be presented during this seven-year time of Jacob's trouble. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto individual souls. That is not what it says either. I, you know, I purposefully read things wrong to draw out the point. We're talking about nations and God dealing with and restoring a nation during this time. A kingdom gospel will be preached. It will go out to all nations, nations. Look at verse number 20. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. When were you and I, as New Testament Christians, ever worried about keeping the Sabbath? That'd be never. What nation was concerned about keeping the Sabbath? Okay. What is this? We're talking about some election here. Well, we need to get to it, right? Watch what it says in verse. 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, 
there should no soul or flesh. No flesh be saved. That's a physical salvation. Flesh is the key word. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and so great signs and wonders, inasmuch that if it were possible, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Who are these elect? This is a time of Jacob's trouble. This is a time of Daniel's 70th. These, the elect being mentioned in Matthew 24 is specifically tribulation saints. And they're trying to survive. Why do the days need to be short? Because people are going to be dying at a rapid pace. And if God doesn't shorten the days, guess what? None of the elect, none of those saints in the tribulation will be enter will be able to enter in the physical millennial kingdom that Christ is going to set up when he comes back with his saints. So because of that, God is going to shorten the days so people live. It is a reference to tribulation saints. There is a promised physical kingdom look at verse 29 matthew 24 verse 29 immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened the moon shall not give her light the stars shall fall from heaven the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together, here it is again, his elect from the four winds. Now, those four winds have to do, I mean, there's time. Direction. There's four corners. There's four winds. In Revelation, the winds stand for judgment. In Revelation 7. The corners stand for the points of that direction from all directions, from one end, see that, of heaven to the other. Who is going to be gathered? Those tribulation saints. So we have two references to elect. We have an elect nation. The next one we looked at was we have tribulation saints are considered elect, and that's in Matthew 24. All of that being prophesied and will happen after the church is caught up. Because you can't say rapture, rapture is not a work of the Bible. But they're caught up together to be with the Lord. In the where? Air. Not on the earth. We go up, air. Lord comes down, cloud, air. We need him. And then we go up to be with the Lord. The Lord never had his feet touched down on the earth. We are caught up. That is when Christ comes for his saints. 
Makes sense. Seven years, Daniel's 70th week. That's the time of Jacob's trouble. We just read those tribulation saints are elect in Matthew 24. We're reading those end of those verses. When Christ comes back now, he's going to come with his saints. And he's not going to stop in the air. He's going to come all the way down. His feet are going to touch on the Mount of Olives. Who is he coming? As they say down south, us That's who he's coming. You and us. Okay? He comes. He comes for his saints at the catching away. He comes to, in the air. He comes with his saints on his second coming to the earth. Air, earth. For his saints, with his saints. In between, there's some reference to people that are elect. It's not us. It's tribulation saints. You got all that, I say? Okay, good. Because the next one's a fun one. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy 5. It's most important that you understood those first two points. And this one is a fun one. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. The Bible also uses the word elect in reference to angels. This is not a nation. This is not tribulation saints. This is not us. It's a reference to angels. 1 Timothy 5 verse 20. Them that's uh, the right one, verse 25. Okay, that's right. Uh, verse 21 it is. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that they'll observe these things without preferring one before another to enough by partiality. Well, what are these elect angels? Well, obviously, they're not humans. They're not us. They're not men. They're not women. However, I will say when angels do make an appearance, they appear as men, but angels aren't human beings. But we do have two types of angels in the Bible. We have angels ejected and angels elected. An ejected angel is a fallen angel. Those that were ejected from heaven when Lucifer fall, fell, his fall took with him. A bunch of angels. They were rejected angels. Well, so what's the elected angels? The ones that didn't go at Lucifer. They have special jobs to do for God. And they're called elect angels. In the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, and Luke, and Revelation, they are also referred to as holy people. They're the ones that didn't fall. They're the ones that didn't follow Lucifer. And the Bible references them in Matthew 5 as elect angels. And in other places, it's cross-referenced as holy. So when people say, well, Christ died only for the elect, what are you talking about? Because obviously Christ didn't die for angels. So you see why it's important to really rightly divide the word so we understand who these elect people are in their context. Christ didn't die for angels. He died for sinners. So that's elect angels. Now, go to Isaiah 42 and get 1 Peter 2. We'll look at our fourth one. There are six of them. This is the fourth one. Get our spot in Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. We'll also get 1 Peter 2. Isaiah 42 and 1 Peter 2. 
the Bible references very clearly that Jesus Christ is the elect. Read with me, follow along with me, if you will, in Isaiah 42. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. Who's that? Christ Jesus. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring judgment with the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Jesus Christ is the elect. That's who that references in Isaiah 42. Very, very clear, clearly seen. Also, 1 Peter 2, we'll look at one more concerning Christ. 1 Peter chapter number 2, look at verse 6. I think it's good to back up to verse 4. 1 Peter 2, verse 4. To whom coming as unto a lively stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Pretty clear who that is. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. In Isaiah 42 and in 1 Peter 2, we have the same word used, elect, and it's in clear reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not an elect angel. It's not an elect nation. It's not an elect group of tribulation saints. It's clearly the context. Jesus Christ is the elect. Now that word so far, we've got four contexts of how it's used. You see why it is very important to understand and rightly divide the word of truth. Stay in 1 Peter and go to chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. The fifth context of how elect is defined is the church. Elect nation. Elect tribulation saints. Elect angels. Jesus Christ is the elect. And now the church that is elected in him. 1 Peter 5, we'll read it in verse 13. Watch this. The church pretty much answers the question. That is if Babylon elected together. Who's the elected in that verse? It gives the answer. The church that is at Babylon elected together with you salute you and so doth Marcus, my son. Look at Ephesians chapter number one. The church is also elected. How is it elect? Well, it's in the elect. So therefore, it claims all the promises and has all the privileges of Christ the elect. Look at Ephesians 4, verse, uh, <laughs> Ephesians 1, verse 4. Back up to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. 
You see that word all throughout Ephesians 1, in Christ, in Christ, in him, in love, in, in the beloved, in whom we have redemption, in himself. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Are You are all in Christ. You're all saved this afternoon. You're in him. I'm in him. I am in him. What is true of Jesus Christ is also true of you and also true of me because we are in him. It wasn't like that before we got saved. Because we weren't holy before we got saved. After you trusted him, now you are holy. On his merit, not yours. Okay? But what is true of Christ as the elect, his church is considered elect in him. What is true of Christ is true of you. I know it's hard to understand because we all struggle with sin. But like we've been learning in Romans 8, he's going to complete that. Don't worry. You, my wife and I have a union together. Her name is my name. My name is her name. Before we had a union together, before we were married, she had a maiden name. <laughs> that was her old name. Now, when we got married, that marriage union, now that old name goes away. Now she has a new name, and now we are in union. We are one flesh. Do you know there's references in the Bible that talk about the marriage relationship, the Christ, and you know those verses, Ephesians and all that. Look, when you got saved, the old went away and the new came in. You have a union with Christ. The old stuff's gone. You got a new name. Amen. And that's something to praise God about. So don't forget that. Look at verse. Uh, we'll stay in Ephesians 4. Let's finish up this thought. So what we're looking at in verse number 4 in Ephesians 1, according as he hath chosen us. Verse 5, having predestinated us under the adoption of children. We spent, we spent plenty of time. We we're going through Romans 8. But here we have chosen us in him. And Romans 8, let's go there. Let's go there, Romans 8. This is why we're saying those verses in Romans 9, and Romans 11, 5, 7, 28. Can't, can't be for us as Christians because we're not enemies of the gospel. Because look at verse number 33 in Romans 8. It says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's church, God's elect? We are part of his church. We're considered elect. Nobody can charge you. Satan can't condemn you. The world can't condemn you. You may try to condemn yourself, but he's greater. There's a lot of Christians that are just masochistic or whatever that word is, Christians that just condemn themselves. You can't lay a charge against yourself. Nobody can. You're not an enemy of the gospel. 
Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect, God's church? Nobody. That's a reference to his church. We are individuals that make up that body of the church. And so that'll be the last reference that we'll look at. So, so far, stay with me by way of review. We've got an elect nation. We have an elect group of tribulation saints. We have elect angels. They're the holy angels, not the fallen angels. Okay. We have Jesus Christ as the elect. We have his church referenced as the elect. And then the last one we'll look at is individuals referenced as elect in the Bible. You can certainly use Romans 8, 33 as both church and then you as an individual in this church. But let's look at 1 Peter 1. And we'll close out with looking at individuals as elect. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Okay. Verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, all these strangers that are scattered about, all these individuals that are scattered about, that are Christians, are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. How? Through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Were you sanctified by the Spirit before the foundation of the world? Yeah, you are. You are. You don't get this elect title until you've first been sanctified by the Spirit and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. Maybe we're going back to Bible 101, but when does that happen? When do those two things happen in verse number two for a believer? The moment they trust the Lord as Savior. So when must election take place for an individual? The moment they trust Christ as their Savior, now that individual can be considered elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Because the foreknowledge of God says it's going to happen through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. And those two things did not happen before the foundation of the world. Go to First Thessalonians 1 and I'll try to Hone that point a little bit tighter. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians one will be in. First Thessalonians one. Look at verse two. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, those beloved brethren, those individuals 
are being claimed or they're being titled as your election of God. But there was a time, look at verse 5, where our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what matter of men we were among you for your sake. There had to been a time where the gospel came to you in power. And until that happens, you can't say you're elected. That time has to happen. There has to be a time, verse 6, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. There had to be a time when that happened, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. There had to come a time when you received the word for you to be able to lay claim to verse 4 being the election of God. Look at verse 9. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith in God's word is spread abroad. I'm reading verse 8. You need not speak anything. What I'm looking for is verse 9. Here it is. For they themselves show of us what manner of what? Entering in, we had you had to have, you had there had to be a time when you entered in. And how we turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Folks, when you're witnessing, we're compelled to turn from you can't be the the beloved brethren elected of God until there's a turning from to. And at that moment, yes, now you can claim individual election. All right, two more verses and we'll wrap it up. Romans 16. These are good to know. Romans chapter 16, verse 13. There's a few of these scattered throughout the word. But we'll just look at this one. In Romans 16, verse 13, it says, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Same idea, elected in the Lord. It's an individual and his mother and mine. And last one, go to uh, Second John. Second John. And it will be verse one. It's right there. The elder and the elect lady and her children. That sounds cool, doesn't it? Like you want to know, I want to know about this elect lady. What do you know about her? Nothing. <laughs> but but I do, well, what I know is that it is an individual where the word elect is used in reference to an individual Christian. Oh, welcome. The elect lady's here. Oh, that's great. Hey, there's another elect lady here. That's great. Great to have you. That's all that is, an individual Christian. So election is in reference to individuals. And then Second uh, John closes out, verse 13, the children of thy elect sister greet thee. Same idea. It's an individual that can claim the title of election. Okay. Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1, last verse. Did I say last verse last time? 
You know, when a Baptist preacher says that, he's committing the sin of lying. I promise this is the last verse. But then again, you can only trust God to keep his promise. Second Peter 1, verse 10, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. We are to study the Bible, not a system. We are called to rightly divide the word of truth, not study Calvin's Institute of Religion, not read all of John Owen's books. Uh, look, I, I read them. I get the truth out of them, fortification of sin, the death of Christ, and death of death, of death and death of Christ, all that. Look, we're not called to st- we're not called to listen to hours of James White debating non-Calvinists on YouTube. Okay. We are called to study the word of God and to rightly divide the word of God. And you give diligence to that, and that'll help you as an individual make your calling, and I can as an individual elect saint of God, make my calling and election sure. Election nation, elect tribulation saints, elect angel, Jesus Christ is the elect, this church is referenced as the elect. And individuals within his church. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.